Welcome to the Once Upon a Leader in Africa podcast with George Nudu. We invite you to listen to influencers and opinion shapers narrating their experiences from their leadership roles in Africa, from the world of business, community development, government, corporate, social enterprise, among others. We will glean from their good, bad and ugly side of their leadership journey and be inspired to overcome adversity, to pursue success against all odds, to be a great leader and many other lessons. Welcome to the podcast and here's George Nudu. Hi, Sochi. Hello. I'm fine, thank you. Hello, George. Great to great to be here. I'm doing well, thank you. Oh, thank you so much for agreeing to be the first Nigerian to be on my podcast. So I feel blessed that you accepted. Thank you so much. Welcome. Thank you, and thank you for having me. It's, it's really it's an honor, and I really appreciate that. Thank you. To begin with, tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Sochi Ilomechina. I am a certified accredited corporate coach. So about myself, it's uh, how do I even begin? So yes, I work in the space of people development. I've been coaching for a little bit over about eight, almost ten, almost nine years. I think about nine years actually now. So I work in the people development space. So I work in the area of training, team development. I'm very passionate about working with teams, getting them intact teams, both intact teams and cross-functional teams. But it's really what I, you know, I derive joy in is getting them to work more efficiently and more effectively together and, you know, taking them from where they are, you know, as coaches too, we always say it's about getting people from where they are to where they want to be. I like to call myself also like a people or like a balancer, if that makes sense. So a balancer is the sense when when I work one-on-one with my clients, it's really about getting them to find that balance between managing themselves the environment in which they're in and their workplace. Because yes, you can't have, I know we say, you know, work-life, you know, balance and so on, but it's really about how do you integrate them effectively together. So when you're doing one, you're focused on one. When you're doing the other, you fully get engaged with the other. So that's where I am. And I also do that for myself. I try and work out ways on how I can find that balance so that I'm also mentally, physically all in that same space. So that's pretty much me in a nutshell. You've talked a lot about your professional side. What about your yeah. personal side? <laughs> ah, okay. It's so interesting. Whenever anybody asks me that question, I go straight to the professional. So my whole world is my professional anyway. But um, well, I always like to say I'm the fifth of five children, not necessarily the last born. But yes, I am the youngest of five. And interestingly, and when I say youngest, I'm actually significantly younger than my siblings. But um, so I've all, I always grew up being the quiet one, the oh don't say anything and you know in Africa we're very big on I don't know if it's like that in Kenya but in Nigeria very big on respect when your elders quote unquote are in a room respect your elders you know don't talk too much so I'm a pretty quiet person I in fact there's a way I've phrased it is that I'm an introverted extrovert so <laughs> I am very shy, actually, I'm very private. But when I'm in my comfort zone, when I'm in the people that I know, I'm very out there. So it's, um, that's it in a nutshell. I, I'm about getting married, so not yet married on, the, on that journey. <laughs> so uh, working towards that, yes. Wow, thank you. Congrats. Yeah. 
Congrats Thank on you. your granny getting married and adding something else on your balancing. You know, <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been on my own for so long. Now it's interesting having to understand that it's not just my life anymore. It's somebody else's life. I have to, yes, you're right, balance in there. So that's interesting. Okay. Currently, what's, what leadership responsibility and role do you have? I work in, well, I manage, I'm the managing director for, do I say two organizations in one? One is a team development company. So that's where we do a lot of the team building, team coaching, um, training aspects. Um, it's called TBA Consult. So we do a lot of team building, team training. It's really about managing, you know, yourself, really transforming you from the inside out. I also co well, yeah, lead another organization called the Center for Core Coaches. So we are a corporate coach training organization. So I run that as well. And of course, there's also the International Coaching Federation Nigeria chapter that is more of the non-governmental side, but that's more of my volunteer work as the president of the Nigeria chapter. So those are three in one, very demanding, but fun is at the same time. Yeah, quite demanding. And, and I think knowing that... Uh... Your coach training organization, I think, is what it yes. was the first one in West Africa, if I'm not wrong. Absolutely, yes. So, well, the first indigenous, so, um, yes, Center for Coach, yeah, the first indigenous coach training program. So when we say indigenous, uh, we, um, I worked with uh, my founding director at the time, and we worked together to develop the materials, to pull everything together. So we started... What year are we in? <laughs> we, are, we started like back in 2018 because we also found that a lot of people, when they wanted coach training, they were traveling. You know, what we did, we had to travel overseas to get the coach training, which was actually quite expensive. And so we just decided, and really she decided, and I really was passionate about it, that we should um, start a coach training program. And what we initially started off doing was by partnering with other companies that had already been established, a lot of other foreign companies that were in Europe that had already been established. So we tried to partner with like two or three, but for some reason, it wasn't working. It just wasn't clicking into place. And so we said, look, we know the content. Let's start to develop. You know, it was really time for us to really believe in ourselves and develop the material, develop. So we used the experience as coaches who had gone through a, you know like a cognitive behavioral type training and then we so we use our experience from there from neurolinguistic programming from even personality because we are both behavioral psychometric assessors so we combined all of them together and put together a program and we started the ICF credentialing process and that took a long time, but we finally got it. And um, so, yes, we the, so it's a lot, it was a journey. It, there were times we thought that this is not going to work, you know, but what we also learned is that it just kept us pushing to keep going. And we thankfully got it. Yeah. And thank you so much for even giving me opportunity to participate in mentor coaching your your, your yes. that's a great joy so yes uh, like that's how we got to know each other so that was yes. awesome yes <laughs> yes yes and thank you for, and actually for yes and sorry and just to add you've been out you were actually very instrumental also in even helping us get to that credentialing to get that accreditation so yes do i thank you very much for helping us with our recordings and all of that so you were very supportive in that place thank you so much yeah, no, it was a great joy. You know, it's exciting <laughs> to see how Africa, now the 
coaching is picking up and training of mm-hmm. coaches within the continent is important. So I get excited uh, to yeah. participate with organizations like yours in helping them get their credentialing and, and training coaching in our society and yes. our community. So that's that's great. Now you are the president of the ah, ICM yes. Nigeria chapter. Tell us a little bit about how it was birthed and how it has evolved. So ICF Nigeria, we actually, so it wasn't long after. So again, like my founding director um, of the companies of the Coach Center for Core Coaching at TBA, she also, she's very instrumental, as you can see, in the coaching industry. Um, she also, you know, we talked about ICF and there was no representation in Africa. I, I think actually there was South Africa. I think Kenya too, about the same time, you know, opened up. Although Kenya has is miles ahead of us in, in terms of numbers and, you know, but we knew Kenya and South Africa were ahead of us in terms of coaching. So we thought that there was, even in the West, in West Africa, there was no um, representation. So we, what we found also was that there were a lot of people that called themselves coaches, but hadn't gone through the rigorous training. So, I mean, I'm sure for you, your training was at least six months. I mean, mine was about this, you know, about seven or eight months. Some people go through a rigorous, deep coach, you know, coach training to get to where they are to call themselves coaches. But what we found is that in Nigeria, there are a lot of people that maybe went for a weekend course and called themselves coaches. So we thought that it was important that, and it was watering down the policy. And in the corporate space, we found that some organizations might have used coaches, but they didn't have a good experience because the people that they were using were not necessarily coaches, were not necessarily trained coaches. So we thought that it was important to start up the International Coaching Federation in the the Nigerian chapter. There were what we found when we did our research, we found that you needed to have at least 20 people to start off. The challenge that we had with that was finding 20 coaches who had gone through the rigorous training. Seemed to be very difficult. It was really, I don't know why it felt, it was so, it was almost like impossible. So when we finally, we got to the 20 and we officially launched in, in fact, we used ICW as a platform to launch in 2015, or International Coaching Week to, to launch in 2015. And since then, it is amazing to see that it has grown. I mean, yeah, we started, we couldn't get to 20, but now we have, yes, we could still, you know, we have over about 80 members now. We are still and growing. And I think it's even more actually right now. So yeah, we're a little bit over close to 90 members and we're consistently growing. What we've also seen is that maybe because of, yeah, because of the work of ICF, a lot of our members to refine that, even in senior positions in organizations as well. So they are also even almost like the spokespeople for coaching as well. So they're helping us to bring, you know, to grow the industry. And I have to say that even to some degree, I think COVID actually helped us as well, because, you know, after the pandemic or during even the lockdown part time, you know, that lockdown period, there was a need to support your people who are not necessarily in the state of depression, but just couldn't quite needed some kind of boost, needed some kind of support in, in helping them get direct, getting direction. So I see that coaching has helped. Um, and even now, some organizations are now saying that, okay, as much as we thought that we don't need our people, they do need their people and they need to check on their people to make sure that they are the best states and their best, you know, they have the direction, they have the guidance, the support they need in order to be more effective as leaders. So it has 
changed. It was interesting where we started from, when we started, when we first were published in the newspaper in 2015, we were published under, in the sports section of the newspaper under a football stadium. And that was very interesting. But I think now more people are knowing what coaching is. So I, I like to think that. So uh, thankfully, the, the industry has evolved. It definitely has. Yeah, it has. And it's evolving. I think it's really picking up, you know. So it's yeah. good to be part of that growth. Even as you talked about the leadership responsibilities that you've had, when can you say your leadership journey began? I want to say in the corporate space, but I mean, you know, technically, even from like university, I guess I would even say probably from my universities, because like I said, you know, earlier that I was always a shy person, I'd shy away from anything, because I also had that belief that who's going to listen to me, nobody listens to me, you know, so I have nothing to, to, to share. But I remember when I was in university, so I'm a Catholic, and we had this Catholic students organization, a, a group, and so everybody said, no, you should be the, you should be the president. And I said, nah. So anyway, so somebody was the president and I decided to be the vice president. You know, that's easy to just slide on that. No, no, no need to say anything. Just be there supportive. I've always, I've always been the supportive person. But then the president suddenly decided that he didn't want to be president anymore. Interestingly, he lives in Kenya. <laughs> He's Trinidadian, but lives in Kenya. Anyway, um, so he just said that, oh, I don't want to be president anymore. I don't, I don't want to do this. And so that left me as the president. He decided to step down because he, he had a lot going on. In his, in his defense, he did have a lot going on. And so here I was stuck with this responsibility. And I was like, how am I, what do I do? Where do I even begin from? And I remember telling my dad I was the president. My dad said, you? <laughs> so because I always, like I said, because I always grew up very quiet, very shy, very reserved. I didn't think I had a voice and I didn't think, and it wasn't anybody's fault. It was just me just choosing to be that person. And um, so I think stepping into that role and realizing that I can say something, I have ideas and I can work through people. I don't necessarily need to be the one in the front, but I can work through people to get things done was an interesting eye-opening experience for me. So yeah, I think that's back in uni days. Well, interesting, huh? <laughs> you just stumbled into leadership and you I kind of just did. Yes, you just do what you need to do, you know? Wow. Exactly. Because what was also important for me was that I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to mess up. So I think that was, do I say I didn't want to mess up? I didn't want to fail. I just wanted to make sure that I did well. And if, even if it wasn't the little things, just, you know, and I created certain systems and certain ideas that I think, you know, helped in those days. So in your leadership journey, what are some of the traits or skills and abilities you had to rely on to lead well? So, of course, I mean, I've had to, of course, you know, you've had to do the training. I mean, I've done the training, the strategic thinking sort of thing, even planning proper yeah which is so you know under strategy anyway but things that I I didn't even realize that I had I had to pull on so things like even patience I'm not so patient <laughs> so I've had to learn to pull on those or to develop that area I think I'm, I like to say I'm pretty good at listening also so of course listening empathy listening empathy is very important even as coaches that you know it's you know, listening is a great skill to have. And so I've learned to use, as I've continued to grow in my field, I've learned to use my skills as a coach to enhance my leadership 
abilities. So is that that and also just knowing that I don't have all the answers and um, that it's okay not to know all the answers. You know, ask and being humble to ask. And because initially there was that thing that well, I can't let anybody see me fail. I can't let anybody see me mess up. I have to know everything. But even as the chapter president, I've learned that because a lot of the people that are more experienced than me in terms of even in coaching, in life, in different other in different aspects in career. So I've learned that it's okay, you know, if you're surrounded by people that have more experience than you, you know, use that to your advantage. So I think it's that humility, you know, back to answer your question is humility, listening, strategic thinking, you know, of course, you know, the technical stuff, we all have to know the technical, what it is that you're doing, your technical things. But I mean, I'm, all, I'm very big on the behavioral because, you know, it's the behavioral bits that will take you further. Yes, the technical skills will get you to a certain level and that's where you're recognized but then it's the behavioral that would excel and help to push you further and give you the recognition that you're looking for, I think. Oh, wow, that's, that's so true. Behavioral, because you have to behave to be able to influence people. Who or what has influenced your leadership development the most? I would say a bunch of different people. So when it comes to who, I mean, of course, as a coach and as a leader, First of all, as a coach, a coach has has a coach. <laughs> so I have I have a coach, coaches <laughs> that I go to for different things. So of course I have my coaches. The person, like I said, that um, that I partnered with to start the to start Center for Core Coaching too was very. She, you know, when she decided, she took on a role to be working in government, and when she took on the role, she handed it over to me. So she kind of also challenged me to step up to the plate. I mean, I was already doing it, you know, cause she's taking a step back, but I was already doing it, but then she challenged me and pushed me to, to do more and to achieve more, to want more. And then also, of course I do a, I read a lot of stuff. I mean, I, not necessarily books, but I do read a lot of articles. I subscribe to the Harvard Business Reviews. So, I mean, I, I do look out for content on just what is happening today and what is, um, what can continue to propel me forward and whatever opportunities there are for learning for interestingly, I watched a lot of documentaries too. So those are different. So it's, a, it's like a platter of different things, you know, people reading, even experience, you know, there's one, whenever there's, if I initially I had this mindset that, oh, I, you know, I think I mentioned that I can't fail. I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of messing up. People are going to look at me, you know, but then, um, there's a philosophy that we teach in my school that says there's no failure, only new learnings. And when I actually learned it back then, it was phrased slightly differently. But when I first learned on my coaching journey, it really resonated with me because a lot of the things I chose not to do was because of fear of failure. And what I did realize, even though the time, even the times that I did fail, I learned something new. So it's, even if, yes, of course, there's always that fear, but just do it, push yourself. But then whatever the outcomes, there's a learning, there's an opportunity for growth, there's a learning in it. So some of these, you know, philosophies, the people, they all kind of help. There's a mishmash, is that what the word is, of, of different things that have helped me and influenced me. What has been your lowest moment as a leader? Because also, and I keep going back to the fact that I'm a coach, but I put a lot of pressure on myself that there's an expectation on being a nice person. I've always been nice. 
you know, um, grow, like I said, I've never had issues with people not liking me. Or, and if people don't like me, if I know someone doesn't like me, it really, really bothers me. So it's something that I feel is very important, being liked. I've always felt that that was critical. But then I realized that you're not always going to be liked. It's a hard truth for It's a hard realization for me. And I did have a team member that, for one reason or the other, well, she was working with us. For one reason, you know, she had to leave at some point because she wasn't also performing. We were, we were actually not aligning. Not that she wasn't performing, but we were not aligned. She had other things going on. There was just too much. And I asked her to make a decision on where she wants to be. And she chose to leave. But then the word that went out there was I wasn't supportive and I wasn't such, I wasn't living the values of the organization and so on and so forth. And so that was a low point for me because I felt that I thought I'd done everything I could. It hurt that I I wasn't like, you know, but I've also realized that yeah, not always going to be like, I've checked with myself that have I, did I do everything within my part? Did I, was I ethical? Did I do everything within my part, you know, to make things work as effectively as possible? I did. Maybe I could have done more, but I also realized that I wasn't, you know, two, it takes two people. So I wasn't fully responsible, but I took a, a whole lot of responsibility for that, which probably wasn't, which wasn't fair to myself. But it wasn't, I had to go through that thought process, through that reflection to see what I can even do differently going forward. Being a people mm. pleaser, many of us struggle with that. And it's true. Yeah. The reality mm. will not be liked by everyone, you know. Exactly. So yeah. that's a hard reality. Yeah. In terms of looking at the continent of Africa and in Nigeria, this ah. Nigeria is so big. When Nigeria sneezes, Africa gets a cold, you know. It's like, <laughs> Yes, we are so big. Oh, gosh. We're so big. But just yeah. looking at in terms of the general leadership, you know, and here I'm talking generally leadership. Yeah. What type of leadership do you feel we need in Africa to fully exploit our greatest potential, you know, in every ah. area? And that's a very deep question. Um, you know, we've talked about it, even, you know, hopefully we'll get to even talk more, even as I say, coaches, when we all get together. I feel that we need leaders that are truly selfless. There's so much, everybody is so keen on putting me first. And I think it's important for us to, um, to put the people first. So we do need people who are selfless, who are collaborative, because there's so much, you know, richness here. And in, in my country, your country, in everywhere. There's so, in fact, this is the, I think is one of the, it's such a rich continent. And if we really look to, you know, the, the talent that is available there. And yes, we can, we can look at talent outside the world and, you know, and all of that. But we should also look internally at the talent here and see what is available here. And, you know, even from, because if you look, I mean, I'm sure if you look at, um, you know, there was something I was listening to recently that they said a lot of the top doctors, a lot of the people, you know, outside the country, for example, are Nigerians. And so there's so much rich talent. And some of them, are, many of them trained here in Nigeria. So much rich talent here. It's about really how can we use ourselves, our people to really come together. And that's why I mentioned collaborative because we are intelligent already. We don't, intelligence is not an issue. 
But it's really about back to that behavior I was talking about, being selfless, being willing to be humble, to take a step back and let others drive and let others lead. And I mean, it's so interesting. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was one of the podcasts I was listening to of yours that there was the conversation that we are the most, what's wrong with us in Africa that we have the highest, I don't know, the majority of us live outside the continent. You know, a good number of us compared to other continents in Europe, you don't see as many. Yeah, I think it was one of the last podcasts you had. You don't see as many um, Europeans living outside the continent as you see Africa. So it's really about, you know, how do we, you know, look at what we have? Stop looking outside. Let's look internally. You know, be humble, be selfless, be willing to listen and look at your talents, develop your talents. There's, there's so much talent here from the man on the streets on the, you know, fixing a tire to somebody. I mean, there's so much. I mean, my fiance and I were talking about certain things that let's say the TV is bad in Europe, they'll toss the TV out the window, but here they can actually work on it and make it like a brand new TV, you know? So, I mean, that's talent that, you know, that people, and many of them didn't even necessarily go to school, you know, like a university, four walls of university for that. So there's so much richness there. And it's really about what can we do with our people, with our resources, and how can we really be hungry to grow? It is so true. We're so talented. Yeah. If you are to sit down with a fresh graduate who is looking up to you and say, wow, you're the president of ICF. You started the first West African indigenous uh, coach training uh, organization. And they want to be like you as a leader, what would you advise them? Well, first of all, get, off, get out of that thinking that people are always going to like you. <laughs> That's the first thing. But then also just be open to learning, constantly learn. I didn't get to where I am on my own. So I rely on a lot of, I ask for feedback a lot, first of all. So I always ask for feedback from my colleagues. My colleague, you know, one of my colleagues will always tell you that I'm always asking, how am I doing? Be honest. I know you can be honest with me. You will tell me the truth. So I'm always asking for feedback and not because I doubt myself, but I just want to be sure that what I'm thinking, because you know what's internal, what people don't always see what you're thinking. People see your behavior. So I want to just check that what I'm actually thinking and the out, I'm actually achieving the outcomes that I'm actually that I actually intend. So you know, ask for feedback. Don't be scared of it. I used to be terrified of feedback, but then I've also learned that it's an opportunity for growth again. It's an opportunity to learn that even if it's not necessarily good feedback, you know, how is it serving you? Think about it. Ask yourself those questions like, how is it serving you? How is this feedback going to help you in getting to your goal? So ask for feedback. Like I said, open to learning. Look for, I mean, and like I said, don't be on, don't, it can be lonely. So look for a support system, get a coach or a mentor. But I always like the coach (laughs) because it also gives you that space, you know, a mental coach, even a coach as a mentor, you know, Um, but really, but because they also give, it gives you that space to really challenge yourself and stretch yourself. And enjoy the journey. It's an opportunity for, you won't know everything, but be open to learning. If you're anxious, because I do have my days of anxiety and I've learned to breathe through it. So breathe through the anxiety. It's okay to be anxious. It's okay to be nervous about certain things. 
um, but breathe through it and just keep on going. And if you make a mistake, learn from it. What did you, what did you, what could you do differently? It's not the end of the world because you can't know everything. Good nuggets, good secrets for a new leader. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Thank what you. I like about it, they're real. You know, yeah. when we get this whole thing about a leader, you know, you read about the books and they are like these super human beings. But what you bring yeah. is the reality. This is it. You know, yeah. this is it as a leader. These are the things, the challenges, and this is this quite humane the way you said it. Thank you for that. COVID, you talked about COVID, the way it helped yeah. it work positively for you in the coaching yeah. industry there. Anything else you can yeah. talk about your experience as a coach during the COVID time? Well, first of all, the first few weeks, and then I'll be honest, the first few weeks of COVID, I was in panic mode. I, I was like, the first few weeks of lockdown, I was like, and you know, I said also I'm an introverted extrovert right so I do like my space but I also like to know that people are nearby so I live I at the time I lived on my own and or I you know I pretty yeah live on my own. so I and at during the lockdown I just knew I couldn't be on my own so I had to go to my mom's house I ran back to my mom <laughs> but um so the first few weeks I was in complete anxiety mode I was nervous but then a coach I was actually speaking to a fellow coach and she's in America and she said something to me and she said what is the gift of of COVID and I said gift (laughs) and I found that so once she said what is the gift we're talking about other things and we're just you know I think we're now just venting to each other and when she said what is the gift of coaching because of of COVID because COVID has given us a gift and it was from that point that I started to think differently that there is a gift and it was then I started to open up my mind to opportunities. So the opportunity to even be more to, you know, move to more of a virtual type of program is, you know, was, was good for us because, you know, we, there's so much opportunity across, even if not, let's even leave East Africa and South Africa and Southern Africa. Let's even talk about West Africa. There are so many people that are wanting to be coaches in other parts of West Africa. So I started to look into that. Um, some of my, like I mentioned, some of my, the clients I work with have decided that it's important. Yes, we can't do coaching for all our leaders, but let's develop our own internal capacity. So that has helped as well. So I have clients who they are building their internal coaches. So that has been a great opportunity for us. So it's really about helping you build a coaching culture. So that's, I mean, I think that's the more curiosity, more interest, as a chapter two, we are looking, you know, we're looking more into how much other, what other collaborative opportunities. Without COVID, I don't think we would have even been thinking of doing, I because we, when we do some of our chapter events, we invite each other, the chapter, other chapters to our events. And I think that's also the COVID experience helped us to start thinking in that, that if we do a virtual session, why do we always have to be, we can extend it beyond Nigeria, you know, we can extend it beyond Kenya. So I think the opportunity for collaboration has improved and has grown. And that's my, I mean, that's a little bit of my little experience <laughs> in that space. That's definitely, mm. it has, I like that gift. You know, you look at yeah. it as a, because most of it, at that time, we were just seeing it as a curse. You know, really yes. <laughs> but then you know, somebody's actually telling you, is it a gift? What's the blessing of COVID? And you start yes. to differently. 
And I guess yeah. even that you can put it on even in the obstacles, even as a leader, you know, what's the gift, what's the opportunity, what's the blessing in this Absolutely. negative thing, you know? So Absolutely. Wow, definitely a yeah. good insight. Okay, yeah. then we're coming to the tail end of our, of our session and asking you, even as you reflect on what you have shared with us, what's the moral of your leadership story? I guess it's um, even shy people can lead, <laughs> you know, even people who are very reserved. I think sometimes even my siblings are a bit surprised when they see me doing certain things. Um, they're like, oh, okay, she's doing it. Okay, she's, she's making moves. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's really that because, you know, we, when we talk about personalities even, you know, there are certain personality styles that people would think naturally. Because I, when I do these, when I facilitate personality style programs, people always say, oh, what's the best leadership style? There's always that question, which one is the best one for a leader? And there's no best style. I mean, yes, there are some styles that are naturally drawn to those that will take on the leadership positions naturally, instinctively. And then there are some that would just rather wait and see. And I'm one of those that will just wait and see. But it's also, my, I guess the moral is to challenge yourself that you still have what it takes. Even if you're not, you don't have to be the out there loud not loud i don't want to say loud or you know you don't have to be out there all the time you don't have to be so present so to speak i mean you need to have the leadership presence of mind of how you show up but you don't have to just be so vocal you don't have to be so extroverted you can be an introvert and still be a leader you can still it's just your style and you can still get things done. Sometimes even the introverted people even sometimes they even do better. So you just read because also there's that pause to listen because that's very important. You have to be able to listen to others to receive the feedback, the information, the learning, the growth, whatever it is. So you can do it. You may not have all the answers right there within, but it's, um, it's a journey and leadership is a journey. It's, I'm still on the journey. So that's why I was even saying that, why am I doing this? <laughs> because it's like, I'm still on a journey. I'm still on the journey of self-discovery. But you can do it. And it's, it's really about working through people. It's not just about you. It's about working through people. So it's the people is what is leadership, I think. It's about the people. So she's so yeah. true. And I agree with you. And yeah, because yeah. you have this stereotype yeah. of a leader. You know, they need to be out there, visible, loud, articulate, yes. so uh, can answer questions, can think on their feet. And it's quite intimidating. Yeah. You don't have that. It is. But it's not I rather... <laughs> and, You know, it's That's interesting that, that there was somebody that I was talking to some years ago. Um, he, he, was, he was running a business. And, well, I wouldn't, he wasn't exactly my ideal leader. Um, I had my challenges with him, but there was something that he said one time and I was like, how? And this was even before I really discovered that because I've always worked in the SME sector. And this was really before I started digging into people and personalities and understanding people. And he said, oh, that if a leader or a manager is really chummy with his people, then he's not a good one. Your, your, your people should fear you. They should be afraid of you. And I was thinking that that doesn't sound right. <laughs> I mean, I was so much younger than I was like, that doesn't sound right. And so, I mean, but it was, interestingly, he was one of the people that inspired me to start really understanding leadership. So as difficult as he was, he was a bit of a terror, <laughs> you know, as difficult as he was, he was a growth opportunity for me. I learned a lot from him. 
And so, but I, I was like, oh, this just, you know, it inspired me to learn more about in work workplace, to understanding how to get people to be the best version of themselves. Yes, I understand you don't want to be too close because sometimes we can blur the lines, but your people should not be afraid of. So that's that was an interesting um, one <laughs> for me. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, many people think yeah. like that. Big people will advise like that. Well, mm-hmm. so thank you so much, Chief, for for being here. Thank you for your great, inspiring story. And any final words to say before we say goodbye? I'm grateful for this opportunity. And like I said, it's a journey. So um, constantly learning, constantly evolving. And I've said this so many times, you don't always have the answers. I know I certainly don't. But I'm always eager to learn more. And I think that's just what, as a leader, because one of the things I also teach in my trainings is that you should also be ready. I think there's a saying that rather that Nelson Mandela said, I think that said that a leader is somebody who looks behind and sees other leaders. I think there was a quote that like that. And what I always encourage is that empower your people, train your people, get them. Cause you also want to, as you know, especially in the corporate space, you want to lighten your load because there are also what's lighten your place so that there's opportunity for you to grow. So as you are developing your people, develop yourself as well because the thing is you don't want to overdevelop your people and then they will not take over and then there'll be nowhere for you to go so as you're trained so i always teach my because my people say hey, why should i teach them they'll take my job fine if they take your job because you are also preparing for another role so prepare yourself for growth but as you're doing that train your people empower your people give them yes of course we are only responsible for our own development we are responsible for our career path but also create that space to train your people, to empower your people, and then do the same for you. Great way of, of ending today's yeah. episode. Thank you so much. And I wish you all the best in your continued journey of leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, George. I really appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in today's podcast. We hope you're leaving with insights that will help you live and lead better. We appreciate our sponsors, BNG Consultants Limited and BNG Center for Leadership Coaching for keeping us on air. Bye for now. See you in our next episode.